Hello and welcome to today's edition of Family Life Today, hosted by Dave and Ann Wilson. Family Life Today is presented by Power to Change, known in the US as Family Life. We hope the program will encourage you in your most important relationships. So I'm pretty excited about today. Why? Because we get to talk about what a real woman is. Oh, are you going to share what that is? <laughs> no. <laughs> People don't want to hear what I have to say about it, but they want to hear what you have to say about well, it. Well, I think it'll be a fun conversation because it's very confusing. You earlier this week talked about what a real man is, and so now we get to talk about what a real woman is. And it's confusing because our culture has shifted so much, things have changed, and if you go back in time to even the 1950s, I wasn't born yet, but it was crazy. Womanhood was totally different back then. In fact, there's a uh, excerpt from a 1950s high school home economics textbook. I mean, this is like you got to, you know, your husband's coming home from work, which, again, is it said that women were at home. The man's off at the work and says, first thing, he says, have dinner ready. Plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious meal ready on time. This I'm, is a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him and are concerned about his needs. I mean, that that we still That's do awesome. that. Yeah. Make the evening his. He is special. Never complain that he does not take you out to dinner or to other pleasant entertainment. Instead, try to understand his world of strain and pressure, his need to unwind and relax. Listen to this. This actually says this. Remember that you relaxed all day waiting for his return. <laughs> now it's his turn to enjoy what you enjoyed. I mean, do you think somebody just wrote to, made this up? Or do you think this really was? I mean, from the magazines, I mean, that one's pretty extreme. But in the magazines... That I read, it's similar. I my thought is that that had to be written by a man, wasn't it? <laughs> because I don't know who it is like by. living in heaven for a man. Well, here's the question. I feel so bad now. I'm like, oh, I didn't do any of that, and <laughs> I was mad at you most of the time, and I was so jealous because I thought your life was so much better than mine. Well, let, let me ask you this: How is it different? I mean, there was some of that that was probably true in the fifties. It's not that way in 2022. Well, but women still carry this incredible amount of guilt that mm. we're failing, that we're not measuring up. And then so we have what we feel like we should be doing. And now in this culture day, we go to the movies and we have Marvel <laughs> superheroes. They're saving the world. And so it's like, what what is a real woman? Because even to say the word woman and to be proud that you're a woman that just creates a lot of mixed feelings with everybody. And so over the years, you've been teaching real men. The four pillars of manhood, and, using the word R-E-A-L, right. real man looks like this. And you're the one that kept pushing me, like, you need to create what is a real woman. And this is just my stab at it. I'm not saying this is, you know, this is exactly what it should be and what it is. And I sat down with several of my friends and women, and this is kind of what we came up with. And so here's the first one. A real woman releases control. And the question is, what does she release control to? And my take on that would be a real woman releases control to God. And when you think of control, what happens when we become fearful, when we're doubtful, when we don't know what to do? I don't know if other women are like me, but when I get to that point, I take things into my own control. I try to manage it. I try to tweak it so that I feel more secure. 
And it's so funny, as I was starting to plan this and create this talk and these points and principles, it was this year that I was reading through the Bible, and every year different things stand out and they hit me. So I was in Genesis 16, and so many of you have probably heard the story of Sarah and Hagar. But just to give you a little background and reminder, God changed Sarah's name to Sarah. It was Sarai. Abraham's name was Abram. And it was at this point when there's Sarai and Abram that God had already told Abram that he will be the father of many nations. But Sarah wasn't able to have kids. And so I'm going to read this scripture to you. And maybe some of you as women can relate. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Now, let me say right here that this was very, very common in that day. If a woman was unable to have kids, she would oftentimes have a husband sleep with her handmaiden or her servant. So it says, and Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. <laughs> I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. And the Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. So Sarah comes up with this idea. I can see her managing that like, well, God said we'd have children, but maybe it's not me. And she tells Abram to sleep with her maidservant. So you're saying she sort of took control. Yeah. Of the situation. God's not doing his part of the promise. Yeah, so. and she probably doubted herself. It's my fault. Poor Abram. God has promised to us, but specifically Abram, this promise, and it's not fulfilling. But I just thought it was so interesting that she's thinking, okay, what can I do? And that's exactly what I would do. Like, I would try to figure out, hmm, I'm going to help God do this because it seems like God's slow moving or he hasn't done it. And so, but the interesting thing was that Sarah says then, this is all your fault. How is this? I mean, when you, when you were reading that, you know, years ago and you, that jumped off the page, how did that enter into your mind about a real woman doesn't do that? A real woman releases control. It almost sounds like a girl would take control but a woman who is a woman of God is like able to say, I'm not going to control the situation. I'm not going to control how this promise is going to be worked out. I'm going to release that. I think that the, the key part is she releases control to God. What I've done for years is I get into situations and I try to control the situation. I try to do that with you in our marriage. If I don't like the way you're doing things, I controlled the way you parented because I thought I was right. I tried to control the way you dressed our kids. Like, what are you thinking? Why would you put them in that? And let me say, men do this as well. This isn't just a woman thing. But as I've talked to women over the years, they all resonate with this. When they're feeling fearful, when they're feeling out of control, they will try to control the situation. I think girls can be great leaders as men are too. But man, girls will try to control things and be the boss of things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That can be a great thing. But if we do it for our own security, 
That's where a real woman will release control, go before God first, and give him everything. So how does a woman, you know, that's living with a man that's different than she was hoping for, her kids aren't turning out the way she wants, God's not coming through the way she wants, we start to take things, she starts to take take things into her own hands and control it. How does she release that? I think it's it's not a one-time thing. It's like a daily thing. It's when you are surrendered before Jesus. And for me, because I'm also strong and I'm a leader, and so it's so natural for me just to do that, especially as women are listening. If your husband tends to be more passive, I think what a woman does is like, well, it's on me. And we as women, we get it done. We do it with our kids. We do it with the spiritual lives of our families. We do it with husbands, even as single women at work and married women at work. We just take things under our control. And so I think what I've learned to do over the years is when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do, and this has become a habit and a rhythm over the years, is I wake up and I say, God, I give you my day give you my life. I give you control of everything because I'm going to try to take it back 50 times because when we get in situations, I want to take that control back. And it can be a good thing too. We're smart. We're women of resources. And so it's a matter of asking God as we're making those decisions. God is this the right step to take. I mean, one of the hardest places to do this is with your kids. (laughs) I mean, we've been talking about controlling your husband, but As a mom or dad, I mean, you see things happening with your kids, teenage years, they're making bad decisions. You want to walk in and control. I mean, I I watched it last week with you and one of our sons with his phone. (laughs) You were saying to me, he's on his phone all the time. (laughs) He's ignoring his family, which sort of maybe he copied his dad in that. But in the kitchen at his house, you said something to him. Do you remember this? Yeah. Talk about your phone. And I just watched him rebel. He looked at you. He was like, so angry. What are you telling me to do? He did not want this his is, mom. This is the hardest part of having him. adult kids because we <laughs> have no control whatsoever. And I think there's a good part of like learning as you're parenting our kids when they're little. That's like a God given role, not controlling them, but parenting them. And so as they get older, I think it's that question Jesus. You know, when do I need to be quiet? When do I need to release control? And it's hard. Well, I mean, as empty nest parents now with all our kids married and grandkids, we've learned we don't speak and give them advice. I want to. I'm so good. (laughs) I could help so many people. Uh, I mean, that's what we think. But that's a part of releasing control to God and say, I'm going to trust these adult men. Yeah. And even our grandkids to God. And I think also that for me, I'm speaking for myself, that control piece can be prideful. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do it better than you or I have a better idea or I'm parenting in a more uh, biblical way. And so for me, it's become a confession to like, Lord, I don't know the best way, but you do. So I pray that you give me wisdom and help me to respond in a way that would be helpful and not controlling. It really is the picture. If anyone has gone through our vertical marriage small group, it's the picture of the tandem bike. (laughs) You know, it's that picture of allowing God to be in the front seat and I'm in the back seat and I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he takes me without trying to manage or control him. That's the R. Yeah. What's the E of a real woman? So the E is a real woman embraces her role. 
And this is really big, too, because what I've seen, and I'm not going to get into the definition of men and women's role, but here's what I've seen over the years, is it's really easy to be in one role or stage of your life, and you're either wishing you were where you used to be in the past, or you're wishing yourself out of the present into the future. And I'm not kidding. I see this constantly. Let me start with our role as being a girl, as a woman. I was nine years old. I was playing football in the front yard, and I loved it. I was such a tomboy, and I remember walking into the kitchen, and my mom said, you know, when you get older, you probably shouldn't be playing with the boys outside playing tackle football. And I was so mad that I said, and that's exactly why I don't want to be a girl. Like, girls, they're dramatic, they gossip, they don't like things that are fun. A girl's going to have to have a monthly cycle. That sounds like the worst thing in the world. And I want to play football, and I want to play tackle football. And I was so mad. I started crying. I went into my room, shut the door. And also, I told my mom, and it seems like dad is the boss of you, and you don't have any say over anything. I added that little jab, too. This is all when you were nine? Nine. And it's interesting, if I would have had that conversation today, you know, if a girl would have that conversation today, mm-hmm. it'd be kind of interesting. People would probably say, oh, well, maybe you're not a girl. Yeah. And my mom was so wise. She actually came in the room and she said, I know that you're frustrated right now, but you're going to love being a woman. And I'm like, no, I'm not, mom. It's <laughs> terrible. And she said, wait till you have kids someday. Wait till you find a best friend you know, your husband's going to be with you and you're going to love being that. And and you're you're pretty and like you're going to have fun dressing up. I'm like, no, I'm not. But it was interesting. Her words sunk deep into me and it made me anticipate like maybe it's not so bad. But then I talked to women over the years and I hear so many single women wishing they were married. And so they're missing out what God has for them right now as and they're single. And married women wishing they were single. Yes. <laughs> or wishing they had a I'm better kidding. husband. Right. No, they it's true. They want a different husband. They want a better marriage. Yes. And then you have, um, and this was me with having three boys, five and under, like, this is the hardest thing in the world. Like, I wish my kids were older. I wish, and then they're they're teenagers. And so that's what I mean. And then your kids are gone and you wish they were still there. So I see so many of us as women wishing ourselves out of this stage of life when actually God has you right where he wants you. And in this stage, he really wants to shape you and form you. So how does a girl who's now a woman embrace her role? I mean, one is you say, God, you have me here. Let me give you an example. Over the years, for 33 years of working with the Detroit Lions wives, I have so many of these incredible women. They are talented. They're beautiful. They're gifted. And here are these women that some of them have great careers. They have several degrees. And they leave all of that to follow their husband to a God-forsaken city called Detroit, which we love. But for them, they're like, where am I going? Detroit, Michigan. And as they're there, this is the first Bible study usually, I'll ask them, tell me what you were doing before you came here. And they have, not all of them, but a lot of them have amazing stories of gifts and strengths. Now they're known as somebody's wife instead of who she used to be. And as these women are talking, I, re- I lean forward and I say, you guys, isn't it amazing that God brought you 
here to Detroit for a reason, for something. And I said, I hope you're all sitting on the edge of your seat thinking, God brought me here. What does he want to teach me? What does he want me to give away? Or what am I going to gain here? And I think that's true of every single woman. As we're in this stage of life, wherever you are, whether you have kids that are grown and gone and grandkids, whether you have aging parents, whether you have babies that are at home or whether you're single. Or maybe maybe you're infertile. Yeah. Yeah. But God has you at this point. And so for you to ask God, show me, God, teach me, what do you have for me in this season and this place in my life that I can embrace this role you have me in? I think that's really important. And so when you lay that down before God, which goes back to the first pillar of releasing control, yeah. and you embrace it, what, is, what does that end up looking like? Does a woman just come alive? Like, okay, I'm not going to look ahead. I'm not going to wish I had a different situation. I'm going to embrace this role that I'm in right now. Does that just bring her life? I mean, it's a lot like the first one that she releases control. It's something that you're To me, it really comes down to your walk with God. And I would ask even our listeners, have you released control to Jesus? And then embracing your role, it is kind of the surrender moment to have, Lord, I'm in this role right now in this stage of my life. Help me to see the greatness in it. Help me to see the good in it. And also, I would ask you, listener, this too. Have you given him everything? Like everything, your future, your marriage, whether you're single, your job, and if you haven't, why not? Because God loves you. And can you embrace the role that you're in right now and even ask God, show me, Lord, can you show me what you have for me in this season and this role of my life? I remember when our kids were little toddlers, like babies, Maybe CJ was five, maybe six. So we've got a six, a three, and a one-year-old. I remember you really struggled to embrace that role. Talk about that. I mean, it's like I was off doing ministry. We used to do it together. You felt like I'm just at home. I'm doing nothing. Mm. Did you learn how to embrace that role? I think that was the hardest season for me because of my past and performance-oriented because of some of the brokenness. And so I felt like I was doing nothing. And I wasn't seeing any results except, you know, wiping tears, wiping bottoms. And I think that was really hard because I compared my life to your life. Like I used to be doing something. And there was a point where I remember having all three boys out on the deck. And they were in a little tight swimming pool. And I thought, this is my life. I used to think like I have no life, but there came a point where I thought, if I'm not going to embrace this, I'm going to miss it and they will feel it. They will feel my resentment. They will feel what happens. And so it really became a surrender moment of accepting it. And every day was different because some days I was like, no, this is really hard. And so I don't want to say that every day, but I look at people like Esther in the Bible You know, think about the role that she walked into. Here she is an orphan. Then she becomes this queen. She's part of a harem with all these women. Their only job is to please this king. Can you imagine? I would be thinking, what, God, you have, what, what am I doing here? What a wasted life. And yet God used her to save the Jewish race. They would have been annihilated had it not been for Esther's surrender, but also her embracing the role of where God put her. 
as I'm imagining women with little kids at home that you feel like this is all I am. I'm just the person that changes diapers and makes food and eats the crust off of the peanut butter sandwiches. That's not who you are. Like you are a woman of God. He has called you. He has selected you to be the mom of those kids. What you're doing is a worship experience. And learning how to embrace that is learning to say, God, I give it all to you and kind of thanking him for where you are right now and asking him for what he has for you. And you're more than just a mom. You're a woman of God and he's called you into these positions and into these roles. to thank David Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Need help building that heart-to-heart communication between you and your preteen while laying a foundation of purity that will prepare them for the turbulent years ahead? Check out Passport to Purity on our website, families.powertochange.org.au, under the Resources tab. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.